This episode of This Is Why includes frank discussions about mental health and suicide. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566 or text 45645. And if someone is in immediate danger, call 911. The Kids Help Phone is available at 1-800-668-6868, toll free, or by texting CONNECT to 686868. Mental health referrals are also available throughout Canada by calling 211. Struggling with mental health, it's not uncommon to think that you're alone. And whether you're seeking help for yourself or for a loved one, the landscape of mental health supports can seem disjointed or non-existent. But when a whole city's resources are made available, there's reason for hope. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver, and this is Why. One out of four of us will have mental illness at some point in our lives. That means it's in every family. And four out of four of us will struggle with our mental health at some point in our lives. Yet we never talk about it. There's this extraordinary stigma. That's Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi. And then two things, of course, happened in Calgary. One was we really started to feel the real crisis of addiction and overdose. We lose more people in Calgary every year by far to overdose, then we lose to car accidents and violent crime combined. And you think of the resources we put into road safety and preventing crime. So I thought to myself, well, I got to do something about this. And then I had a personal experience, which is that someone close to me was really struggling with mental health and addiction, and I was trying to help. And it was very frustrating. It was very hard to figure out how to navigate the system, how to get him the help he needed. You know, multiple emergency room visits, lots of conversations with lots of different kinds of people. And I thought to myself, geez, I'm the mayor. I know everybody. And I can't easily navigate the system. I can't easily get him the help he needed. He did get the help he needed, and he's doing much better. But, you know, how how can other people do that? Well, for me, it, um, I, I was introduced to it in 1982. And it was as a daughter. And... And then, um, you know, it, it was around me as a sister, and then as a mother, as a friend, and as a wife. That's Karen Gosby. If you know a little bit about me, my mom suffered from major depression. And at that point, she, um, you know, they thought that she had addic- addictive t- um, issues. And she, you know, was basically just so depressed that she attempted suicide. And I, I kind of just had this feeling of being stuck. Like once you're in the system, there were no options. And that feeling was carried throughout my entire life. But that wasn't the only time someone close to her attempted suicide. Karen's husband, George, took his own life in November of 2017. The death of a noted business magnate and philanthropist sent shockwaves across the country. So when it happened, I had had this mindset that I was going to um, come forward with it and say, you know, all you people, because there was a lot of Twitter and a lot of stuff going on saying, oh, my God, you know, another one, you know, um, died. What a surprise. And you no know, one saw this coming. And, and yet we knew the, you know, we knew where, where this was going. There was a linear path it was going. And we knew inevitably that he would 
passed from suicide because of what was going on at home. Karen ended up connecting with Dr. Chris Eagle, a physician and former CEO of Alberta Health Services. We sat down in a conversation and he kind of like patted me on my head and said, okay, that's nice little girl. I don't get involved with people that have had personal experience, um, or family members that have committed suicide. Uh, I want to do something about this, but you know, you're basically untrustworthy. Um, he didn't say that. He said it a lot more eloquently. And he said, just kind of go on your way. And he talks about this, but about six months later, his sister was hospitalized. And then about three months after that, she took her life. And, and so he came back to me and said, let's do something. So we started to look at the emergent, every time we try and solve a psychiatric problem, it's usually during an emergency. So we just got a group together and we wanted to see what happened three months before they went to emergency, what happened after, and if there was anything we could do to improve it. And because we were um, doing sort of this, this work, um, I was also having a kind of conversations with the mayor who had, was also thinking that something needed to be done in the city. And so it was just the alignment of stars and everything happening at the right time and at the same time. Yes, so I had known Karen's husband, George, uh, who died by suicide a little bit. Um, we went to university at the same time and uh, we did a little bit of economic development work together early in my time as mayor. And I was very touched, as many Calgarians were, by his death and by her courage in talking about uh, how she ended up in that situation. And so I believe what happened was I was actually found myself sitting next to her at some events, and she was telling me about what she wanted to do on mental health, which was very congruent with the work that I was starting to think about. So I asked her to come see me. And she's got a story about coming to see me and kind of going, I don't know what the mayor wants. What am I going to say to him? But we ended up having a great conversation. I filled her in on what I was thinking. She filled me in on what she was thinking. And I said, well, we're doing this together. With funds from Calgary City Council to create a mental health and addiction strategy, a stewardship group was formed, including Gosby, Nenshi, Dr. Eagle, representatives from Alberta Health Services, the Calgary Police Service, school boards, University of Calgary, and private industry. You know, it's interesting because with the exception of Karen, we didn't really choose the stewardship group because they had lived experience. But when we went around the table and people really bared their souls, we realized almost everyone in the room had had a family member with significant mental illness or had suffered um, mental illness themselves. And certainly every single person in the room can talk, as we all can, could talk about their own struggles with mental health. So it's much more common than we think. The really interesting thing about it is that that hasn't just been folks sitting in a room talking about a plan. Because the other thing we did is we said, well, change can't wait. We can't wait around for this plan to be done. So we implemented a series of fast pilot projects. We did two calls for proposal to the community and sa said, what are things you always wanting to do? And so we funded some 23 or 25 pilot projects that are already underway. Some of them very successful, some of them less so. But ultimately, we were able to just move to a world that's very rare for government which is instead of analyzing the heck out of something, just try it and go fast to succeed, but also fast to fail and stop doing it if it doesn't work. Uh, so the best example of that, and if people are listening and are struggling with their mental health, please 211 is now available throughout the nation. 
just call 211. They can help you. There are resources available for you. But one of the things we did in Calgary, which is so simple but never existed before, one of these pilots was the creation of a web portal called Community Connects YYC, and you can just go to communityconnectsyyc.ca. And it's just a one-stop shop that says if you're experiencing domestic violence, if you are having challenges with addictions, if you are a senior who is having trouble with your mental health, if you're suffering from postpartum depression, uh, here are all of the resources for you all in one place. And it's so simple, but it makes a huge difference. But there were systemic gaps that the group ran into. Most of the spending goes to 6% of the population. And that's the population that we visibly think of when you think of mental illness. It's the people that you see on the streets or the people that have addiction issues. And it's just the, you know, the extreme cases. And so George, my husband, my late husband, who had addiction issues and he had mental illness too, he didn't fall into that 6%. He was in the rest of the percent that people was, in our opinion, it was largely um, overlooked and mismanaged, right? And, and where the gaps were is, is it was kind of, um, it was designed how people were using it, that, you know, they'd have a crisis, they'd go to emergency and, you know, they would go in and out of the system all the time if they were admitted into the psychiatric unit. They would go into there. If it wasn't extreme, they would get an appointment that was three or six months later. And someone that had a problem thinking was expected to think okay until three or six months later. And so there was just, there were so many obvious examples of things we could do to improve the situation that you really could only go up, you know, from, from where we were. So it was the continuum of care and that that was a long way, but it was, um, you know, how can we prevent these crises to happen and how can, can we hold someone's hand that is leading up to it and then has a crisis and then has to manage their health after the crisis like that we wanted to see if, if there was any improvements we could do with all of that and in all of it make it find it easier um, to find help for people that are looking at it wherever they are on that continuum. So with 1.3 million people in your city how did you address the needs of the many different groups living in Calgary? You know that was probably the hardest part because the issues around mental health are as diverse as the people themselves. And so at the beginning, I really pushed saying, well, we should have a table on women's health, you know, and we should be focused on things like postpartum depression, which is, affects almost all women who've had a child and no one talks about it. Um, we should have a, a, a round table on seniors' health and so on, new, new Canadians' health, refugee health. In the end, we thought that those audiences are reasonably well served, but we need to get to people where they live. And so the whole strategy is based on three factors. One is being well, the second is getting help, and the third is staying safe. And in terms of being well, that's about being well in all the aspects of your life. So being well at home, at work, in your school, in your faith community, um, and in the community at large. And that's really how we're trying to approach people in different ways rather than say, you know, women who are at home, mothers, stay at home moms have these, these issues. We're actually saying, let's try and approach people who are in similar stages. And one of the most exciting things about that is on our stewardship group, we had three corporate CEOs. 
And they've gotten really excited about workplace mental health and talking about mental health in the workplace in a, in a different and more thoughtful way. And so that's really how we're trying to address that piece. The second piece about getting help where, when, and how you need it is really about navigating the system, making sure the services are available. The last one is staying safe. And certainly in the addictions crisis, we have seen that there's been a real lack of safety, both for people suffering from addiction and for other people in the community uh, who are interacting with people suffering from addiction. And so staying safe, especially in a crisis, is really important. It plays into a lot of the work we've been doing around police reform and first responder reform so that, you know, my dream is that when you call 911, instead of someone saying police, fire or ambulance, they'll say police, fire, ambulance or mental health. The final mental health and addiction strategy and action plan was passed unanimously by Calgary City Council in late March. A few weeks later, Nenshi and Gosby made a virtual presentation to more than 100 people including big city mayors from across the country. And this was, I think, the most receptive I've ever seen them be, even though it was the first time we've done it virtually. Uh, we heard great stories of what are things that are already happening in different communities, but they were all very excited about the broad systems view that I was advocating. And, you know, that has been incredibly positive for us. We also were lucky enough to get some support from Harvard University through the Bluebird Harvard City Leadership Initiative. Uh, which really helped bring up the legitimacy of the work we're doing. In fact, it's already been written up in one of the best journals in the field, the Stanford Social Innovation Review, even before we endorsed it in terms of the process we use to bring in the community. So people are pretty excited about that. And I, was, I myself didn't know as I was giving the presentation that the city team had already created this resource on if you want to do this yourself. There has been discussion and then in that, and myself, um, we're part of a um, iCircle civic responsibility. It's a global um, international group and they were participating in it, but I'm also a member of it. And so they've been been very aware of what's been going on in Calgary. It's, it's exciting, like, because for, you know, healthcare, it's often thought of as a provincial jurisdiction. And, you know, and really too, you have to, you have to embrace it from both ends, right? Like you, you, health, it's always, it's always going to be in the healthcare umbrella, but in order for a, a city to wrap around it and say, Hey, we want to do better. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of it is just awareness and education. And, and in doing that, you naturally sort of um, reduce the shame and stigma. Now, of course, Calgary Mental Health Strategy was finalized during the pandemic that we are still living through. In mid-March, Dr. Eagle said the pandemic actually helped the stewardship group's efforts. A year ago, almost to the day, thought about stopping this work because many of the organizations that we were working with, AHS, the schools, some of the not-for-profits, were you know, facing all kinds of business and operational changes because of the COVID virus. And we actually decided willfully that we would go ahead. And what that did was actually improve, improve the strategy. And it also improved the working environment for the strategy. People, everybody, like citizens, organizations, people working on the front lines became aware of how important it was to have appropriate mental health support because of the impacts of isolation on COVID. So, so we really finished up in a better position because of COVID. It's kind of ironic to say that, but 
you know, today no one doubts that everybody in the community is impacted by mental health issues. I'm not sure that was the case a year ago. You know, I just had a podcast sent to me um, called On Being from the mayor of Edmonton. And he said, I must listen to it because it really is about what happens to our brains when we're under this kind of stress and when we're at the breaking point. And I think one of the challenges we have right now is that in many ways, traditional um, things that we might have expected to happen during the, during, the, during the pandemic didn't occur. So for example, the number of people who are dying by suicide has gone down, not up. And no one really knows why. Maybe it's because people are working from home and away from complex uh, workplace situations. I, I, no one knows. I shouldn't speculate. But at the same time, I think a lot of us are struggling with just our own mental health. You know, I had, I had a journalist tell me that she got this really awful, really angry letter from somebody with language that she wasn't expecting. And, and she actually reached out and said, you know, I might want to just reach out to her, explain myself and so on. And the woman was so sorrowful. She said, I can't believe I did that. I'm just so sad and angry all the time. And she sent flowers to the journalist to apologize. But that's the place that a lot of us are in right now. Um, and we have to determine how we get out of this and how we get back from it. Because it's not as simple as saying, well, it's sunny out. Now we can gather outdoors in small groups and that'll help. It might help. It actually might make a difference, but we have to look more broadly at our pandemic recovery to see how we're going to help people get that mental resilience back that so many of us have lost. If you're out on the on the street walking your dogs and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, aren't you that Karen lady that helped work on this mental health strategy? But then they ask, you know, how is this, how is this going to help me? How is this going to help um, my 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 parents? How is this going to help my kid? How is this going to help my neighbor? What what do you what do you tell them as far as a, a quick explanation of, of what this strategy, how it'll improve lives? Well, I mean, the fact that they're asking me would be would be an indication that it's already succeeding, right? Because because they're talking about it, and um, you know, they're more aware that that uh, that they're doing something to make it. But my explanation would be to make it easier and quicker to find help. And it, really, what it's doing, what we ultimately were doing, is building collaborations and partnerships. So all the great work, and there's a lot of great work that's being done for that population that could be done for you know um, scaled up uh, for you know larger and uh, greater amounts of people to access you know the things that are are being done. This is Wise, produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email at thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and get vaccinated if you can. We'll see you soon.